0: One hundred and eighty-five miles south. dot com.
1: Smash that Patreon button. One hundred and eighty-five
0: miles south a hardcore punk rock podcast. What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, we are talking hardcore. Helping out. You know him. You love him. It is the best-dressed man on the pod. It is Daniel Sin. What's up, Dan? Boom, boom. Shake, shake the room. Also helping out, it is Ben Merlis, a.k.a. Ben Edge, a.k.a. Ben What's up, Ben?
2: You should have been aborted when you took away our rights.
0: Also, rounding us out, six foot two, what you gonna do? It is the mighty mighty posse Chris. What's up, Chris?
3: What up? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do when you find out when you meet me in real life and find out I'm only six foot one? Oh hey,
0: dudes embellish. You know what I mean? If if you're just embellishing one inch, you solid dude. (laughs) (laughs) Respect. Um all right, let's jump in. This is a mishmash pod. Wanted to go through a bunch of new stuff. We're gonna talk some old stuff. And uh let's do it. Let's jump into the indit record first um let's see yeah okay. okay. the first thing we'll jump into is the new indit record unpleasant living comes out uh came out last Friday, I believe on flat spot records and Dan, what do you think about this record wow
1: it's it's really good. um, the recording is super top notch the um The songs are really, really well structured. It and it and it doesn't, it doesn't one note you all the way through the LP. They've got different uh, lanes being achieved. Like it, it's fantastic. I love the stringing together with the. I mean, how it starts out with the sample, like faltering, almost like you know in those films where you, you know, you hear the the child's record and it starts melting away and you're like, oh shit, we're in a really fucking bad place. And that's kind of what it does. And it goes straight in. Um, I th- I think it, it nails it. It's channeling so many things that I don't want to just say it, but it is just Baltimore hardcore like, and it definitely is uh, reaching for some YOLO. And it's just fantastic. I think this band is going to be, I mean, they're already well-known and flat spot records is a fantastic home to be on for any hardcore band because they're really doing it. So I think this is going to be one of those things that's, it's going to be on a lot of people's end of year lists. And I think, uh, this band is going to be, if, you know, if, if they will, if they're able to tour and, you know, hit those bigger shows and all of that stuff. And this is a band that's going to go into like a Sound of Fury or a or one of the other fests and just steal the whole show, it seems. You know, I, I really enjoyed this. I've, I've listened to it a ton since we got the privilege of having it a bit early. And um, I can't wait to see where it goes.
0: Dude, everyone in this band is like oozing with talent. It's ridiculous. But, I mean, we really have to... Single out the singer, he is something special, like on uh I think it's that third track, Daniel, you'd have to pronounce it the French one uh let me
1: see i'll I'll pull it up
0: Lapel du vide.
1: oh shit <laughs> that's what <laughs> happens when you'll oh, 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 play uh yeah lapel du vide,
0: dude yeah. his voice on that thing is so ridiculous, you know, like when he just pushes it a little more. And it's like my Eddie Leeway when he pushes it, right? That's what I thought. Like a little, little like Eddie Leeway with like an Eddie Leeway on like an eight, but like just a beautiful voice. But like honing it back, so it's like you know I'm so scared that the marshmallow is gonna fall off the stick, and all my favorite bands are gonna like turn into (laughs) stripper metal bands, you know. But like these dudes just slay, and I love the short EP, but like. I almost think this is like too short. Like it's not enough of a, it's not enough of like a a give. Like I need like two more songs almost like it's not enough to sink my teeth into, you know, we'll talk about like the speed next and it being like almost the perfect length, I think, but this is just like a tiny bit too short. And you know, with the songs coming out in advance again, like just kind of cutting it up, like it comes out and you just have a few new songs. So I can't wait. I hope that we don't have to wait as long for the next six songs, as we had to for these six songs, um, because this band is spectacular. Every single song they've put out has like been pretty special. This band is just—I don't know. I mean, I hate to just like hide behind that word, but they're just something special. Like they're the most interesting band going. You know, songwriting wise, like they can just like be right in that pocket, right? Totally interesting down the pipe, hardcore songs that are—you could never accuse them of being generic but you can also never accuse them of not being like straight down the pipe hardcore. It's just like they got that magical seasoning somehow. And I absolutely love it. I just want more material ASAP. And I hope we don't have to wait two more years. Uh, Chris
1: what's your take on this. Oh, sorry.
3: Baltimore's new Kings. This rules everything that makes end it. One of the best bands in the world right now. And they just add some more stuff to the formula. I love to see a band in today's, in today's era of hardcore that, you know, they get, they get the hard rep and they have the hard parts, but they're not afraid of the fast. Like they're, this is a blazing record and that's so sick. Um, Zach touched on this a little bit, but like a kills flow and bounce are so awesome. Um, you know, on everything they've recorded and this is no exception. Like he's really good at just, I don't know. His, his voice is a lot of character. It's just like, it's like almost rabies level, uh, just character, you know? Um, He's also really good at writing super memorable lines. You know, one that stands out to me is on an unpleasant living. We'll piss all over your hopes and traditions. Um, like just those lines that stand out. And you know that when they play live, like that's the part that people are going to rush the stage for, you know? Um, uh, yeah. Also on an unpleasant living justice from T Y laying down some bars, a little bit of a Baltimore throwback there. And he sounds super mean on it. Um, I, my only complaint was Zach's only complaint. I need more. I need more. Six is not enough songs. Um, which, you know, give us six great songs. That's better than, you know, six great songs and four filler tracks. But I just, I want some more. Uh I will also add if you haven't seen End It Live like change that as soon as you possibly can they're one of the best live experiences in hardcore right now like you'll be cracking up one minute laughing and then the next minute just rage stomping ho- holes in the floor so they're a lot of fun. Hell yeah, Ben what's your take on this?
2: Yeah, um I first heard of this band cuz uh the singer was the co-host on a podcast called Up the Blunks. And it was him and this guy, Kevin uh tit. And now the the singer of End It is no longer well, I, I haven't checked the podcast in a while, but he stopped being the co-host. But he was he's a very boisterous, funny guy. And um going through this, I just decided like fuck it. Every sample from something I hear, I'm gonna look up and see what it is. So you it opens with I Fall to Pieces, which is a Patsy Klein song from 1961. And then it goes into to the singer talking about how I'm a bitch and how I should mind my own business. So uh I guess that you could call that the intro to the al- to the to the EP. And then um New Age slavery has kind of like a gallopy NYHC kick drum thing. Like it's not doot dat doo-doo dat, but it's like every time it goes to the bass drum, you have that, but you know, it's like he hits the bass drum like an extra time. Like it's modern hardcore. It's like every modern hardcore band does that. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, anyway, um, I'm not really a fan of that. It's just like ultra modern sounding, but then you get these like unexpected woes at the end of the song, which just come out of nowhere. It wasn't expecting that. So exactly what, what, uh, Zach was saying where it's like, they're playing like standard 2022 hardcore but they're throwing in like curveballs here and there and then i had to look up what lapel du vide means in french and it actually means the call of the void and the term applies to i can't remember what website i found this from but the impulse to hur- hurl yourself into a void while unnerving it's actually a pretty common experience And then another website says the tiny voice that tells you to jerk the steering wheel just to the right and take a flying leap, leap off the ledge. Kind of like that, that weird feeling you get of, you know, like being like, fuck it, but not exactly like a suicidal feeling. So it's kind of like there's no English equivalent to that figure of speech. Um, Yeah,
1: there is. It's called YOLO. It's called YOLO. (laughs) I don't know if it is though. It's YOLO. You only die once, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I did
2: notice that dramatic shift in vocal style on that song. And I'm not getting leeway. I'm actually getting—I don't know if it's like Life of Agony, like something Life of Agony, but but higher pitched. Um, it, it that was s- sort of jarring. And then the movie sample at the end of that song is from—is John Hamm from the film The Town. Uh, which I should see because everyone seems to love that movie, but I've never seen it. And then um, 21 has a Gil Scott Heron sample at the end of it from The Revolution Will Not Be Televised. And the good part about that song is before he says The Revolution Will Not Be Televised, it goes to the next song because it would just be too on the nose if it was actually like if he said that line in in the song. Uh, Hate Keeper is like this bouncy song, and the vocals remind me of Chaka from Burn, and the backups remind me of Cookie Monster from Sesame Street. Is that the... is Was that Justice? Who's that on there?
0: I don't know, Ben. Keep going.
2: Okay. Um, and then the thing about feeling like the record is too short is because every song On the record is extremely short, except for the final track, The Comeback, which is two minutes and 40 seconds, by far the longest song on the record. And um, it doesn't feel long, though. And it has these kind of dive bombs at the end, um, which kind of sound a little bit more like Slayer than Side by Side. But what are you going to do?
0: How about that? All right, well, that record rips. Everyone check it out. It is on streaming. It is called, Jesus Christ, End It. The album is Unpleasant Living. You'll find it wherever. It rules. Order it from Flat Spot, one of the best bands going. All right, let's move on to another Flat Spot record. This is the band Speed. The the album is called Gang Called Speed, and it is out as well, I believe. And uh, yeah, this thing bangs. Dan, what's your take on it?
1: Yeah, th- I-, I wasn't ready for this. Um not no know- not really knowing I mean I've heard a lot of people talk about this band, but I've never really had a chance to check in on them. And f- fuck, it's brutal. <laughs> yes. It is um it's not fast, even though they're named speed. It is punchy, driving hard, 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 hard as fuck. Um, but it has, it has swagger. It has, um, it has like groove to an element, not, not like a hold it down style groove, like not that much in the groove lane, but it, it does have some like, you know, bouncy movement, but for the most part, it's just smashing. It's just going to smash you over and over again. And, you know, sometimes that's exactly what we need. The recording is fantastic. What the fuck? (laughs) Was that mine?
0: No, it was mine. My bad. Sorry.
1: Uh, I was like so... Strike two. I was so (laughs) scared that like, when I pulled it back up on SoundCloud, it was going to do that to me and it didn't. And I'm like, all right. And then I thought it was a delayed reaction or something. (laughs) Anyway, it's it's really great. um, For people that like... You know, a lot of the more beat down driven style, uh, hardcore that, you know, we tend to give a lot of shine to on this pod because we, we love to present all the different lanes that hardcore is. And some of these harder ones are the ones that people are talking about and enjoying more and going off for more lately at shows. And this is going to be one of those bands that's, you know, if, if they, can deliver live like they can deliver on this record, they're going to be having lots of people going crazy at their shows. I think it's a a really, really solid release. If, you know, it's also on flat spot. So they're both coming out at the same time. My personal taste is to lean a little bit more towards the end it, but I still will listen to this quite a bit and I enjoyed it a lot.
0: Yeah. It's more, on the trapped under ice bounce than it is like the mad ball, hold it down bounce. Mm-hmm. Um, they really settle in to some of these grooves with like lots and lots of confidence that like gives me the, the TUI vibes big time. Uh, the first song, not that nice has been out for a while. It's a single, it's a great song. Uh, the other song that stands out to me is that song big bite, which yeah. is, it's got like a big, like chuggy breakdown in it. That's like almost exactly the same as like a district nine breakdown off their first seven inch. And it's pretty sick. Cause it channels like those feelings of like watching the New York core documentary, you know, like they're playing that outside show and everyone's stomping around.
1: Yeah. It's
0: like that, that mosh part is almost exactly the same. I went and listened to them like side by side. So that would be ill. I guess it's ill either way. Like if it's like a, a tribute to that part, that's ill. And if it's like, Oh shit like this many years later, like they're channeling like that same mosh spirit. Like that's ill also. maybe. uh, maybe it's talking
1: about, maybe it's talking about a big bite from one of Loki's snakes,
0: dude. And if you want to import some dangerous animals, like (laughs) Australia is the spot. (laughs) They're like, I got you, you know, importer, exporter, let's go vandalate industries. Um, (laughs) but yeah, this is, this is cool. And you know, it's like the end is six songs. This is six songs. Each one is really five songs with like a an intro, right? Because on this uh, speed record, the Everman for Himself is like an instrumental track. So basically an intro. And it's just, it's wild because I think this speed is like the perfect length just for like this monotone, bouncy slash mosh music. It's like the five or six tracks is perfect. I, I don't know if I could take a ride with like six more of these songs. Where like the ended is just like it's too short for me. I need more. Um, but yeah, the speed is impressive, recording's great, super catchy, oozes confidence, uh, lots of good tempo changes. It's great modern hardcore. Um, I absolutely love it. Chris, what's your take on it?
3: I love this record. Uh let me back you up and put you in, in uh in my mind frame. I went in listening to this. I think there's a lot there's there's so many bands right now that are playing you know, kind of the modern beat down the mosh centric hardcore that it feels like at least for me, I'm getting to a point where someone has to be really good to kind of like climb out over the note over the noise. And, and this does like, I I went into this, you know, listening to this record kind of fairly heavily skeptical if I'm being honest, but like they proved it, they won me over. Um, it's really interesting listening, listen, um, Zach mentioned Trapped Under Ice and that's kind of the first impression that I got as well. Like musically, it sounds a lot like T.U.I. But I don't know if, you know, maybe they're not pulling from T.U.I. as much as they're pulling from maybe the same well that T.U.I. is pulling from. Zach mentioned District 9, which, you know, certainly is a Trapped Under uh, Ice influence, um, if I'd have to guess. But I think what really makes us stand out to me is the vocals are are unique enough that it doesn't it doesn't just sound like TUI rehash. Like I love the vocals on this. We, like we just talked about, um, end it and how a kill has you know almost a rabies level of character. Um, these vocals, these vocals are right there too. Like he does some things that you know maybe it's planned out or maybe it's just kind of like how his voice is. But there's some stuff that he does that I think. I haven't really heard before in hardcore. Like there's, there's some variation and, and yes, like the, the pissed off parts are barked and, you know, very traditional, but he does it in a way that almost sounds like he's spitting while he's, he's like spitting and growling uh, while he's singing. And it sounds so sick. And then there's, there's other parts where like, he does some kind of like, I don't, it's not even like half song. It's like, so on the song Know Your Foe, there's a part where he's like, you can live your whole life now knowing what's right. And like that kind of, um, I don't know, that kind of flow and, and, uh, uh, I, you know, I don't even know what to call it, but it's just, it's a cool, it's a cool different contrast to like the, the barked vocals. Um, yeah, I've been listening to this a lot, um, you know, since we got it, like, Definitely when I'm working out, uh, when I'm running, when I'm driving, basically whenever I need something to get me pumped. And it's interesting too how Zach mentioned, you know, this being six songs, the end it record being six songs. I think it I kind of came away the same way, like uh the same, the same feeling. Like the the end it wasn't enough and the speed record kind of felt perfect to me. And maybe it's just because the pacing on the end it record is like pretty blazing fast and and You know, whether or not it's longer, like it feels like you get through it faster where this one, I kind of feel like this, this record just feels like it's kicking your ass for however many minutes straight. And it's like, all right, I just got my ass beat, you know, do I want to listen to it again? Maybe, but yeah, I love this record. Hell yeah. Ben,
0: what's your take on this?
2: Yeah, I felt, I felt like I was beat up too. I got to side with Chris on that. Um, But I don't like being beat up. Um, the vocals sound strained to me, like he's like he's straining. And then I thought, they sound strained, like the band Strain. Oh, that's weird. I never made the connection that the singer of Strain sounds strained. But th- this guy does not sound exactly like that. Um, you know, it's like, if, if we're going to call End It kind of s- straight down the middle with a bunch of curveballs thrown in f- to keep it interesting, I'd say on one side you have punk-leaning hardcore and then on the other side you have you know metallic kind of thug leaning hardcore and speed is like way on that side of the of the field um so it's like you know the further you go down that way i mean anyone who's listened to this podcast before knows that i'm not i'm not a fan of that that side of the of the aisle aisle or field i don't know what what metaphor we should use anyway that's what i got
0: Hell yeah. All right, let's move on to some more Mosh. I want to talk the Chain of Dogs demo. This is so sick. And forgive me if I get anything wrong, like in the words I say, because these dudes are from Nepal. So I think that makes them Nepalese. Is that correct? That's right. They claim claim the Kathmandu Valley for Kathmandu Valley Hardcore. This demo rips, dude. It's like three big-ass Mosh songs, uh, Coldest Life cover. I think the cover is not on Spotify, but if you go on their band campus on there, but it is so sick. Like the intro is like 35 seconds. And then there's just two songs that are straight, good, modern mosh, not boring at all. Bring the heat. Um, I just dig it. And I love the name chain of dogs with of OV. Like I love everything about this. I am obviously ignorant that I would not have known that there was like hardcore in Nepal, super ill, and these fools brought the heat, dude. I love this demo. I think it smashes. Dan, what's your uh, take on this?
1: Yeah, this fucking rips, and the intro is so ill. Um, Chain of Dogs is a great name. Um, the second song, Acha, I thought, I thought it was like at a first glance, like before, like diving into it, I thought it was like coming Acha, <laughs> you know, like. Thing, but it's obviously some Nepalese words. Don't you think it's um, a play they, on
0: words though? Because they're obviously be. bilingual. Like the, they send me an email, right? Yeah, they speak good English, so it's like that's pretty sick to like have that double entendre or whatever. Because like, yeah, it looks like it's saying like at you.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It and and they are coming right at you with their sound. It's like um, the recording. I love it because it's it's just dirty enough, but it's still bright um and it smashes and the vocalist is awesome um at singing over and the the backups are perfectly placed like everything about it it's it's just killer s- straightforward hard hardcore um that just moves like it doesn't doesn't hang around it just goes you know kind of similar to what we we're saying about the end it there's like some definite like, the fast is there to, to an extent, you know, to keep it moving. And yeah, the songs are only 1 minute 40 is the longest song. And as we said with the end it and, you know, speed we said was pretty dialed in, but you could still have two more speed songs and you'd be psyched. Definitely would like maybe three more from these guys, but this is just the best, like amuse-bouche for what's coming later, you know?
0: Yeah, I love that the songs are so short. That's what makes like good mosh music to me. Like, I don't give a fuck about your song if it's five minutes long. Like, stop it, dude! It should be like two songs, two or three songs, right? Except Just for cold. So- <laughs> what's that?
1: Except for coldest life.
0: Well, coldest life is on a different level, dude. You know, yeah. like I- I'm not trying to get into that head, and uh, man, they wouldn't let me. You know, what I mean, okay, Chris, what's your take on this? <laughs>
3: Uh, I think this is a fun demo. Thanks for bringing it to my attention. Um, I, I think I wrote a lot of the, you know, make, made note of a lot of the same things that you guys said. Um, I think, you know, Dan said this almost word for word, but like end it, you know, chain of, chain of dogs is a hard band that still has plenty of fast. And I don't know. I just need, I need some fast in there. I'm not quite maybe to the level of, uh, on the end of the spectrum that, that Ben is. Um, where it needs to be a lot more punk than, than metal, but I do need some fast in there somewhere. And I love, I love that they give it to me. Um, definitely like kind of a New York hardcore vibe, but not biting off of any one specific van or band. It's just that overall, overall kind of bounce and, and feel. Maybe bordering on something a little bit more modern, like a hate breed, but not quite that metal. Um, this is cool. I was uh, I was actually curious. I don't know if any of you guys did this too, but you know, like Zach, I've never heard of any uh, hardcore bands from Nepal. Um, and so I went to see if I can dig up a couple YouTube videos, and I f- there are there are a few of them um, out there. One is like this huge professional stage with an awkward barrier, and um, they have their logo like projected on the on the wall behind them, which is super sick looking. But it's just like it's such a big venue with a barrier that it. It's a little bit of a stale vibe, but there's, there's another video where they're playing like a small room, you know, just a, your typical familiar hardcore small room energy. And it's, it's pretty sick.
0: Yeah. uh, Ben, are you ready to put some respect on Kathmandu Valley hardcore or what?
2: KVHC dog. Um, Yeah. So. Uh, following up with uh, more homework that I did. Um, so you hear a soundbite at the beginning of this demo, and that is from the film Heartbreak Ridge, where Boyd Gaines, as Lieutenant Ring, says, all right, you devil dogs, let's take this hill, which Which is a, a film about the Korean War. Um, I never saw that movie. So thank you, google.com, for that. Um, but it's interesting that we have a three-song demo, and this is really just kind of an intro. So it's like here's the intro for two more songs. I've never, I don't, I don't know if I can think of another example that usually like demos or EPs with intros are like six songs or something. So then we go to Acha and while you guys were talking about it, I actually Google, I (laughs) translate.google.com tells me that Acha is Hindi for hurt good. And Hindi is the language spoken in the part of India that borders Nepal. Um, Not, not the language spoken in Nepal. Um, so, Hurt Good. And to me, this is like possibly the most like Jud Juddy song I've ever heard. It's like they're the band Jud Jud, but they're actually playing with real instruments. And then um, I also put the the uh, song title for track three into Google Translate, which is, oh my God, if I try to pronounce it, I'm going to fuck it up. Uh, Dabwana Koj. D Karna Koj. I'm sure I got that wrong, but that actually translates. That's also Hindi and it translates into dwarf search, diagonal search. So your guess is as good as mine. Um, what that could possibly mean, but, but that's what it is. That's what, that's what I got.
0: <laughs> How about that? Okay. So everyone check this out. It's on Bandcamp chain of com. so on Spotify as well check it out on the playlist Everyone 185 miles com. click that playlist link at the top of the page and there is a playlist for every episode okay let's move on to the last new thing I wanted to talk on it is the wise up demo up to no good again playing with them words up the number two no good and uh, I think this is a British band is that right Daniel
1: yes yeah, yeah, they're from the they're, they're from Newcastle.
0: Oh. So yeah. Long Long Benton isn't the town?
1: Uh it's probably either a town or a village where they're where they're from inside Newcastle.
0: Oh, okay. So compared so, to the mean streets of uh of Warrington, how does how does Long Benton uh measure up?
1: Well it sounds fucking hard, doesn't it? This demo
0: is tough. <laughs> so yeah. This demo's wild. This demo's wild, dude. Um yeah. The the beats that they put in, I think are good and chill. It has a nice flow to it. And then like, I don't know. I don't know how to would describe the music somewhere in the, the 1989 New York hardcore vibe, like not fast, but maybe like mid tempo killing time side by side ish, you know, lots of charisma in the, the singing, you know, but also like very down the pipe. I don't know. What, what do you think, Dan?
1: Um, in my little notes that I wrote, I've listened to this one quite a lot uh, over the last few weeks. Um, In my notes, I have it as outburst killing time um, as the main like things for it, but with a little bit of leeway here and there, lots of phase and overdrive on the guitars. Um, And then the, God, I'm so bad at knowing which the song titles are, but I think it's spit and venom. It's like such a outbursty, bouncy song, and then it just drops and it goes to this like he screams out about like a snake, and then it goes into the most hate breed moment ever. You know, it's Dude, so hate breed. That part of the end is
0: so yolo because yeah. like each instrument does like the riff. Including the (laughs) drums? Like, yeah. (laughs) It's the most ignorant thing ever, dude.
1: It's so So sick. (laughs) It's it's almost like a, a, you know, like when Indiana Jones goes into the Temple of Doom and like, Kalima! And then it just drops in and gets real ignorant or something. It's sick. When I first started-
0: Listening to this, like, there's definitely moments, like, when I'm listening to it, I'm like, are these guys fucking with me? Like, I can't tell. (laughs) you know yeah. like are you guys fucking with me or are you like doing this for real like i can't decide if it's like again are they fucking with me or it's like totally awesome I'm, I'm leaning awesome but sometimes i can't tell like dude are you guys just fucking with me like that part is wild
1: i don't think they're fucking with you they're they're, they're constructing a part that places in the northeast of england are going to be ripped down like like the cathedral in Durham is just going to be ripped apart from that spitting venom, like Mark It's going to just destroy it. The thing, when I first got this demo, I was like, Oh, this is like a POI, you know, cold world, like kind of bite because of all the, um, beat driven music that interlude throughout. And I initially was like, uh, and then, like three listens in, I fucking love it. Like, <laughs> because I love hip hop anyway. But the Long Benton Real Talk um part, like, I like that it almost sounds trip hop instead of hip hop, which gives it a very English vibe anyway. Um, but then the Nomad part is just you know sampling ice cream and and stuff, and then the uh, NE61 LH, which is a postcode you know similar to zip codes that we have over here um, so that's like the postcode of wherever they're from in which I suppose is probably Long Benton in, inside Newcastle so I'm going to say why I that's a fucking great part man <laughs> that's the Newcastle
3: accent um, <laughs>
1: but I'm gonna I, I absolutely love the Howard Jones sample in there and the Fresh Print sample you know <laughs> This is probably pre-him slapping, uh, slapping Chris Rock. We don't condone you're stealing, that. You're stealing my jokes. Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> I got to go first. Um, but I, I really fuck with this demo a lot. Um, I love the name of the band. There's probably been, especially from Europe, there's probably been like 20 wise-ups in the past <laughs> coming out of like suburbs of Germany and Sweden, etc. But this is really good and it holds up. And like, like I say, I think outburst and uh, killing time are two major influences on this. And I mean, you can't go wrong if those are big influences in your riff writing, because these songs bang.
0: Hell yeah. The singing rules. Chris, what's your take?
3: I, I wanted to circle back to that part. You guys were talking about the part where Zach was like, are they fucking with me? <laughs> because it. Especially when you guys were talking about it, it reminded me of uh, on "Cemetery Gates" from Pantera, where Dimebag is doing like the dive bomb, and then Phil is like echoing the dive bomb on the vocals, and it's so (laughs) it's so wild. And and that kind of reminded me of it too, where it's like, okay, this guitar does it, and then the you know the bass does it, and the drums do do it, and it's like it almost feels like the song's like kind of falling apart in a little bit in, in a way, but. Yeah, it's fun. Um, I dug this. I think like a lot of the records that we talked about today, like the vocals really stand out. Like it, they're really burly. Like They remind me kind of of uh, collateral damage, which, you know, anyone who has listened to this podcast ever knows that collateral damage is backed hard on this podcast. Um, so that is plus one right there. I'm not a huge fan of the recording. It's it's a lot of treble and high end and and the bass is is really kind of low in the mix. And um, so it sounds a little bit tinny, despite the music actually being pretty chunky. Um, So I don't know if they're chasing a style. Like certainly there's, you know, Outburst kind of goes in that direction a little bit. So it's certainly possible, but um, it doesn't make it a bad, you know, a hard listen by any means. But I think... I feel like if it was a little bit a little bit uh more low-ended it would uh it would bang a little bit harder but I I really like this I think it's it's cool. Uh, there's a lot of really cool guitar work. The guitars are really tight. There's some cool little pinches here and there, some lot of palm mute parts, uh a solo or two. I don't know, I dig it. I'll keep an eye out for whatever they do next for sure. And were you able to
0: enjoy anything on this demo?
2: Yeah, I was. Um, those interludes um, got me uh, trying to guess what they were, and in some cases, I my 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 best friend Google <laughs> helped me fill in the blanks. Although Dan already mentioned that Long Benton Real Talk has um, actually maybe you didn't bring this up, but the, I believe the guy saying "Wising Up" in it is Ray Kwan from the song The Table from his whatever M- 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 I don't even know how to pronounce that album but the 1999 album. there you Mobile go Rarity. yeah and then, and then um, the singing you hear is actually uh, Billy Ocean from his 1985 hit Suddenly pitch shifted up so that he sounds like Whitney Houston Um, so I'm sample snitching my ass off right now and I'm sure DJ Premier will get mad at me for doing it but moving on to the <laughs> Moving on to the interlude Nomad, um, Dan said, yeah, Ice Cream by Raekwon, uh, from The Purple Tape. And then you also hear a little bit of Never Too Much by Luther Vandross, 1981. Yes, yeah. 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 And and so you kind of, you have that formula that adheres to the uh, Pillars of Ivory formula, which is you take hip hop samples, you mix it with popper R&B samples, and you kind of manipulate them and repeat them and kind of... Kind of slapdash them together, and I don't know if Cold World was doing that before POI, or if POI kind of is the uh, forefathers of that thing. But it um, the last little interlude thing, or actually it's an outro because it's the last track on the EP. Um, the Howard Jones and and I liked how the DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince uh, sample is him saying just a little something to to break the monotony of all that hardcore. And it's like, yes, that's exactly what these interludes are. They're something to break the monotony of all that hardcore. It's like telling you what the purpose of these things are. Uh, so I thought that was really clever how they did that. As far as the song, the songs that they actually play on their instruments and sing go, um, lots of dive bomb action in Shattered. Uh, the singer I thought on that song sounded kind of like Zach. I don't know if I'm tripping Zach. Do you hear your own voice in, in that in that vocal performance?
0: Dude, I hear my voice in everyone that that uh, sounds dope. What's up?
2: All right, there you go. <laughs> but then when when we go when we do the that uh, you know um, the s- spit and venom where they all take turns that that you hear the vocal by itself doesn't sound like Zach at all to me. Um, and while you guys were talking about Newcastle and spit and venom, I thought the band Venom is from Newcastle, and sure enough, yes, they are. Yeah, and yeah yeah so i don't know if that's kind of like a a shout out to um to the band venom uh forefathers of black metal a- and actually i looked up ne ne61 lh and that is not the Longbenton section of newcastle that's actually the biker section of newcastle b-y-k-e-r is the name of that neighborhood uh representing biker grove man there you biker go grove. so yeah this was fun I I liked hearing it a second time I'm going to listen to it a third time and I might like it even more than the second time I heard it
0: hell yeah everyone check it out the band is Wise Up demo is called Up To No Good we'll link it up in the playlist you can find it on Bandcamp or wherever you uh, listen to stuff and handle business
3: The fight lasts for hours, each ram battering the other dozens of times.
1: Head to head.
0: All right, everyone, we are going head to head. Two of the best seven inches ever. Both came out in the year nineteen ninety. Both could be considered the apex of hardcore. We're putting the inside out, no spiritual surrender seven inch up against the burn shall be jugged. did seven inch. And uh, Dan, who are you taking?
1: Fuck. So the similarities that that go on with this band is is so awesome because, um, both nineteen ninety, both on Rev, both pushing the genre further than it's ever been pushed before within the straight lane of hardcore, right? Both have a vocalist that is just out of this world. Great. Both, obviously all the players on both records are incredible. Both lyricists are really saying something. So it's not like you can pull one thing apart. Oh yeah, but these lyrics are kind of dumb. So this one's going to body that. No, this is like as close a head-to-head matchup. <laughs> well, maybe we've ever done, even including the death threat, no warning perhaps. Because um, that one personally was so hard for me to to pull apart. But this one, um, burning fight, the intro might be one of, if I was going to say, Top five iconic moments in hardcore. I think it might be on there for me. Definitely in top 10. Um, Undertone sounds like it could have been written by Burn, to be honest. That song is more Burn than it is Inside Out to me. Um, By a Thread sounds like it could have been a DC song, like, um, like the Hardest Embrace song or something. And then No Spiritual Surrender is just the element of playing with the the you know the slow or the even just ring out parts in hardcore or like the negative space and making it more powerful than ever so um where as shall be judged by burn um absolutely incredible the timing it and the drumming is just so wild so incredible so unheard of before same with um godhead and out of time but the song drown doesn't quite do it for me like all four songs on the uh the inside out seven inch plus i prefer zach's vocals and i think the songwriting on inside out just speaks to me more like the the build up intro of Burning Fight is undeniably like absolutely incredible hardcore songwriting, and then even just as it's getting going, and Zach just drops the oh, yeah, like that part. God, it gives me chills just thinking about it right now. So, I'm gonna say, uh, well, I'm gonna say, first off. <laughs> First off, fuck your godhead and the click you claim. West side when we ride, come a quit with game. I'm going Inside Out.
0: <laughs> yeah. And uh, we're going to roll out in a couple of weeks our top 100 records of the 1990s. No spoiler, but uh, these records are, I won't say which is which, but number one and three of the 90s. So that's a wild matchup. Um, yeah, the Inside Out is great, but Burn fucking... Smashes on it, dude. With I listened to it again today, both of them. Inside Out, one of the greatest albums ever. But I don't know, dude. Some of the stuff I can't listen to it without thinking like how much bad music it gave us. You know, like the the breakdown of undertone or whatever. Dun 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 dun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's like everything that would be bad of the nineties is like that breakdown, you know? Where burn just smashes. Dun, 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 dun. Then we're in on the fast part, right? And it's like, I listen the burn after the inside out, and like when Chaka's singing comes in, and like the seven inch has like twenty seconds in. I'm like, fucking, it's over, dude. The burn's better. It's like the meatiest piece of hardcore in like 1990, which is wild because it's just on a fast part. It sounds so big and so gnarly, and I don't know the lyrics are just so biting. And like we're not even into like the parts of the songs that are totally special yet. It is just there. It's the greatest hardcore record probably ever, I think. Um, so this matchup was rude. And I apologize to Inside Out because you gave us such an epic interview on the Where It Went podcast where you all talked over each other for two <laughs> hours and we couldn't understand a goddamn thing any of you said. But that was a magical podcast moment. Much respect. Um,
3: <laughs> I'm going to burn all fucking day. And, uh, Chris, what's your take? Well, my first take is the comment section is going to get hot on this one. Not only are these two of the best hardcore seven inches ever, but two pieces of wax that basically started respective cults. Like both, both of these bands have cult status followings. Like people don't just love these two bands. They worship them and, you know, fight and die for them. Um, so I'm excited to see what happens in the the Instagram chat, but this is a great matchup. Uh, the fact that so one of these records is gonna win, well, I guess it could be a tie, but for for each of us individually at least, one of these records is gonna win not because the other isn't absolutely amazing, but because it's maybe just a tiny bit less amazing or or maybe. I should say the other way. The other is maybe just a tiny bit more amazing than the other. They're both creative. Dan touched on kind of the similarities, both creative, both pushing the boundaries of traditional hardcore. Maybe this is just me, but I think even though all four tracks are just phenomenal, I think it's also similarly weighted where there's, where each of these seven inches have kind of two standout tracks um, with, yeah, the the two remaining tracks still being top tier hardcore that you know is going to body 99.9% of anything else out there but because um the the other two standout tracks are just like extra extra special they you know the the other two songs maybe just sit just a tiny bit lower if that makes sense i think i heard dan yeah, consent I, on that
1: i agree with you uh Each have two songs that stand above the other two, um, especially in the pantheon of what is celebrated as some of the best songs ever in hardcore. There's two pulled out from each seven-inch that are very much in the conversation.
3: Word. I'm going inside out. Uh, There's just something about the emotion in Zach's voice that adds just a tiny bit uh, just like pushes it over the edge. I mean, Chaka has an incredible voice and the delivery and the cadence is unreal and unmatched. But I think there's just something in Zach's scream that is so desperate. And, you know, you have two singers who are both reaching into the depths of their souls and and maybe Zach's just feels like a tiny bit, a tiny, tiny, tiniest bit more impassioned. And there's no way to really explain it without... Sounding like one is less desperate and strained and, and fervent than the other, but um I don't know. It's not that that one is less, it's just maybe that one is a tiny bit more. So that's my vote. I'm going to inside out.
0: All right. Ben, what's your take?
2: Man, I feel like Dan and Zach I'm sorry, Dan and Chris like pulled the words out of my mouth because I was just gonna say like Side A of Burn is like, unfuck with a bull. Side B is a little bit of a dip, even though it's like one of my favorite seven inches of all time, any genre, any era. And then with Inside Out, like I'm used to the six song version, but we're ignoring those last two because those are CD only. We're, We're doing four songs versus four songs. So we got Burning Fight, Undertone by a Thread, No Spiritual Surrender. Burning Fight and No Spiritual Surrender are like kind of, epic bookends to this record. I mean, two of the most epic hardcore songs ever. And then undertones got this really, really fast. And then this really heavy, slow breakdown. So you have that contrast and then by threads that this mid tempo, awesome chugging along more bands should have songs that are like that kind of a thing. And I just love every one of those songs so much. And I think, Zach De La Rocha on this record is like, this is as emotional as hardcore can get without being emo. Like this is pure hardcore. He's a pure hardcore singer, but he's like fucking crying and not in like a, like, you know, when my girlfriend left me kind of away in a real kind of like, I I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the brink. I'm, I'm about to get pushed over the edge kind of, kind of thing and it's just magical and it's like to me this is uh they're close but the answer for me is easy and the answer is inside out
0: three wrong answers and the one true answer from your boy (laughs) um inside out takes this one much respect We're going to do a UFO segment here on the descendants. Milo goes to college the day before the descendants are going to record this epic LP. Milo is abducted by a UFO. You can replace him with anyone from any era. Chris, who are we replacing Milo
3: with? I'm glad that you came to me first on this one. Mm, No problem, bud. (laughs) Uh, There are a few different directions. I could have gone with this one, Uh, but when I think of the descendants, uh, the, the the defining factor of the vocals in this is that they're snotty and sarcastic, but also tuneful and catchy. And so I really wanted something that embodied that spirit. I'm taking Paul Z from the Zero Boys. Wow. Dude. Same Z's. Same Z's. Might be wow. weird to hear a dude from Indiana singing Catalina, but I think he would nailed the sound for sure. What do you got on it? I just think it's a perfect voice.
0: Like if you're if I was going for early eighties, like snotty, they hits like slight little melodies. He's the one, right? Like to the Pope and the President and the big rock star who made a lot of money, all got one thing in common. They know it ain't no fun to get shot with a gun. You know, it's very like Descendancy. You know, it's perfect. It'd be perfect. Like I think uh, Ben, what's your take?
2: That's funny. I Paul Mayhern, it never even occurred to me, but that's a perfect pick. It's like the closest thing to Milo that you could pick, not including whatever singer of all sounds closest to Milo. Like we're not going to go there, but like uh, Bravo, I, th- I, th- the way I approached it was you can't have like a straight down the middle, like growler, shouter kind of hardcore guy. You have to have someone who sings with melody and, I thought it would be a real interesting twist to have someone on the opposite end of the um, tonal spectrum, but who is equally melodic, be the singer. And I'm talking Glenn Danzig. I'm talking Misfits era Glenn Danzig. So, you know, lyrically, this is like completely the opposite of the kind of stuff Danzig sings about because he's always singing about ghouls and ghosts and monster movies and shit. And (laughs) these lyrics are very, you know... Uh, emotional and well, they're, they're also kind of jokey. And it, in both those senses, Danzig never sings about that kind of stuff, but man, like just imagine him singing, um, I'm on my way to Catalina. That shit would rule. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, you're Mr. I know I'm making him sound grungy. I'm sorry. I suck at doing my Danzig impression, but like that sh- this shit would work. You really have to imagine it though
0: box of saltines.
1: <laughs> a can of Saltines. Dan, what's your take? I think I think that's a, a really good one because I would love to hear him sing bike age, you know? Mm-hmm. That'd be so fucking sick. Um what I like to do with, with the UFO, because I could go, you know, here's what would sound good on the descendants record, and it would sound just straight up filling in for Milo like and making it great, which would be like nervous breakdown era Keith or, um, Kevin seconds, right. Both of those would just come in and, and sound awesome. But I want to like, just think about it in a, in a different universe, you know, the multiverse of madness here. And I'm going Becky bondage, um, from vice squad. I th- she's tuneful fast aggressive but it would give a different element to this and it would be something that i would be really interested in hearing um so i i like was thinking about it obviously my my first answer was like oh well it would be keith because i would love to hear milo just a little bit more aggressive and a little bit pushing at the melody but then i started thinking about other lanes to take this in and I'd love to hear Becky Bondage of Vice Squad like sing this LP. I think it would be awesome. I'm taking it back to the old school cause I'm an old fool. I'm taking it back to the old school cause I'm an old fool. Yo, what the motherfuckers old school
2: old school spotlight.
0: All right, we are going old school. I wanted to talk one of my favorite early 80s uh punk hardcore LPs. Sin 34 LP. Do you feel safe? Uh, this thing is a wild record and it is getting repressed on puke and vomit. So check that out. Uh, anywhere that you order records, they, uh, they usually do a pretty good job of, of represses. So it's cool. This thing's going to be in circulation. Check that out. But uh, let's talk and dive into the music. Ben, how familiar were you with this before uh, we did our list of the eighties?
2: Um, I had probably heard it maybe once all the way through. or Actually, you know what? I had never heard it all the way through. I, uh, My old band Bad Reaction played with, with Sin 34 somewhere around 2008 in Hollywood. And um, the problem is in the 90s, when all the old punk records were getting reissued on CD, this never made it onto CD. What we got instead was die laughing which is uh grand theft audio did like demos and it was like come on the fucking demos the real record isn't even available so it was like and and you know they sound like demos so i never really bumped that very much either so this was like i think this may have been my first time getting all the way through this record um but i i definitely consider this like third tier SoCal hardcore because you got like on the top tier you've got Black Flag and the Circle Jerks. Like who's gonna deny that other than other than Dan? <laughs> and second tier would be like Battalion of Saints or Aggression, like totally bands that totally rule, but they're not like, you know, God tier circle jerks level. And then like beneath that, I'd say you'd ha- you have like that whole 83, 84, 84 era like Mystic kind of tidal wave of bands on Mystic plus like Circle One, and then I'd place like Sin 34 in with, with that stuff. Like very basic, uh, sort of generic, generic for its time. You know, this is b- before every hardcore record had, you know, breakdowns in every song, you know, just really fast and direct sort of stuff. And like, I'd say the saving grace is... Julie's vocals, which I would compare sort of to Dinah Cancer from Forty Five Grave, you have like sort of shouting without getting into full on yell, yell, growl territory. Although oftentimes she's not singing in time with the music, which is a little distracting, and her voice is really following the chords, like na 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 na, like da 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 da. I mean, that's not one of their songs, but kind of like you know, really just like on the nose, you know. In the box kind of sort of hardcore. And like, um I think sometimes that like sloppy, simple, like fast first generation hardcore can still work and can still be magical. Like that first JFA 7 inch, like there's nothing that should make that record like stand out, but it there's something about it. There's kind of the X factor that does. And I don't hear that with this record. Uh, The the track that stands out the most to me is the Devo cover, which stands out because it's like exceptionally bad. It's like a total train wreck. Like, I don't know if they did that kind of like as a joke, like let's play this Devo song really badly or they were really playing it as well as they possibly could. Um, But uh, that's my take on it. I have a few other fun facts, but but uh, what do you think, Zach? What, What makes this stand out for you?
0: Well, to me, anything pre 84 is always kind of exceptional. Um, I think that in 84, you start to have the dearth of like an influx of lots of bands, and that's kind of when generic stuff starts happening. So anything 83 and prior is kind of always just a little more interesting to me. Um, And this is like a full length SoCal punk LP with a female singer whose voice I like a lot. Like, I love the way she shouts. and it just sounds like it's almost falling apart, but it never does, maybe on the first song the most, right, like on the chorus of it it's like that drum fill. it's like, whoa, is this gonna fall apart or not like I don't know, and it has that nice old punk sound, but it still sounds bright i just I like the way it sounds, you know, and uh, I guess the one knock on it would be maybe it's a little long, but that's also like. Kind of one of the reasons why I've liked this album so much and for so long is like it's just a record you put on when you want to hear some punk in the background. You know what I mean? Like not everything has to knock your socks off. Like sometimes it's regular ass punk rules. You know what I mean? Like think about how many people have worked jobs in their lifetime listening to like like, classic rock radio. You know, no one really gives a fuck. Like, oh, sick. Like, you know, they're playing running with the devil again. Like, okay, well, that rules because I like the way that rock and roll music sounds. You know what I mean? I kind of feel the same way with a lot of this punk stuff. Like, I just like the way that punk sounds. And so when someone puts out a good sounding punk record, I like to have it on. You know what I mean? And I guess that's a weird way to explain it. But I've just always enjoyed this record a lot. And it's surprising to me that, like, you weren't super familiar with it or that you don't super dig it or whatever. Because I just think it it rules. Uh, Dan was your take on this
1: So this was uh, one of the things When we were doing the records Of the 80s where I'd asked you What this band was like and you were like Oh my god I'm psyched That you're going to get into This for the first time you know And that you uh, turned it over to me And then it kind of inspired Well and also didn't they reach out Or something Uh, The people who Um. No, just Repre- Pegan Vomit
0: it? said that we're repressing because we mentioned it.
1: Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, so it is really great, and I love hip, being hipped to um, early female voices in punk. You know, I uh, that I hadn't heard before. So I, I love that, and then there's obviously humour woven into many of this. It's not taking itself too seriously. On some songs, it is serious, you know, like War at Home, et cetera. But like New Wave Slut, Fuck You in the Butt, <laughs> is uh, not exactly the most uh, uh, taking itself seriously, you know. Um, I love the sound. I love, like you say, anything that comes from, from where influences were very few and far between, and they were also – charging their own path and playing shows in these areas and stuff. It just is awesome to see these time capsules come to light, uh, or at least be able to be, uh, received by a lot more people. And I, I love that. And I loved, uh, listening to this for the first, you know, five or six times. And, uh, like you say, it will be something that I will easily throw on at work and, and enjoy, but also, you know, while driving, you know, from San Diego to LA or something like that. Like it'd be one of those like fast moving, like tuneful but not too tuneful. And uh just ripping songs. Like it was uh awesome to be turned
0: on to this. Chris, were you familiar with this at all before this exercise?
3: I wasn't and I I was gonna uh lean into the um this is cool but kind of a, a california hidden gem and i'm excited for you california lifers to to tell me all about it but uh then i realized this record was reissued on sinister torch in 2014 which wikipedia tells me is a seattle label so maybe i should know more about them as well but <laughs> yeah. uh but it's cool i think it's it's you know uh it's not like you know it's it's not going to replace uh you know circle jerks or anything like that in my listening rotation but it's just good fast hardcore with a standout attitude i think the attitude is is certainly um something that that stands out on this and and zach said like zach said it's the the recording's pretty clean for for the era mostly fast hardcore although i think it touches on 1.5 territory although uh i have to defer to the expert on that uh Ah. (laughs) but definitely a lot of hardcore um Certainly a few skippers. I think uh, uh, Dan mentioned New Wave Slut, which is fun to listen to once, but I think that's probably enough. And then any song that is not Julie singing um, is, is kind of a skipper for me. But I like I like her voice a lot. It's really cool. Uh, it's got a good edge. So, yeah. Hell, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree, Chris. Like the Barbie and Ken song, total filler. You know, it's like – the. the- but they're kids, right? They're probably just having fun in the studio. Like, hey, I play bass on this one. You sing, man.
3: For sure. You know, I mean yeah. there's there's plenty of records from this era that have skippers, you know? Right that are considered classics, you know.
0: I have, For sure. I have some,
3: some background info
2: on on some of these people too that is which should shed light on this. Like Dave Markey, the drummer of this band, had a zine called We Got Power in the early 80s, and then all the zines uh, is, all the issues got put into a, a hardcover book, which is really good. It's a it's a very great snapshot of early 80s hardcore punk scene. And um, Dave Markey went on to direct a documentary called The Slog Movie about early 80s uh, hardcore punk. And his Sin 34 is in that movie as well as Black Flag and Circle One and a bunch of bands. But then he went on to make Desperate Teenage Love Dolls, which is this, this goofy movie starring Red Cross. And then 1991, the year punk broke, which is the Sonic Youth, Nirvana, uh, Dinosaur Jr. It, uh, touring Europe tour documentary. So that's that's the drummer of this band, and um, uh, the singer. Bendis quickly Land- on
0: We Got Power. Bendis quickly yeah. on We Got Power. They also did a few of those Mystic comps, like that were kind of stand out, like that first one, the We Got Power Party or Go Home comp. I think that was curated by those guys that did that fanzine. So yes, a few of the, the mystic comps like that were actually pretty good. It was because those people were behind them, you know?
2: Right. And, and I, I remember that now that you mention it, but when I lumped them in with all those mystic bands that hadn't even crossed my mind that they're actually curating a lot of those mystic records. Um, And then um, I got to say, RIP to vocalist, Julie Landfield, Julie Landfield. She uh, passed away in 2018 and bassist Phil Newman died, I believe, in a boating accident in 2015. Um, and um, there's one other thing I wanted to mention. Oh yeah, when I when me and Daniel Weitzman were doing the 1.5 article, whenever that was last year, I, I thought to myself, "Am I just calling everything from SoCal 1.5?" And that just blows the whole thing away because now we're talking about a regional a regional difference and not really a kind of generational kind of sound difference. And then like Sin30 bands like Sin 34 and Circle One like kind of help me understand that like, no, even in Southern California, everything got pushed into this hardcore thing where you, you know, you play like did it 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 that sort of style and that sort of replaces 1.5 we're getting into 83 84 so it's so it really is a generational thing that kind of happens all over the the continent around the same time so um i I think the only trace of 1.5 you'd hear is maybe in julie's vocals not being totally pushed into shouting territory but other than that i think i'd say musically it's it's straight down the middle hardcore
3: for its time one one other thing I'm looking at, uh looking at the Wikipedia page, which we all know uh, c- can't be questioned, says band initially rehearsed as a three piece until the introduction of Circle One guitarist Mike Vallejo. Vallejo played a few shows before returning to his main band, soon to be replaced by Chris Peterson. And if you click on Chris Peterson, an American musician, actor and NASCAR racer. Wow. Yeah, dude he was in suburbia which makes sense uh platoon born on the 4th of 4th of july baywatch point break twin peaks Firewalk with me and a bunch of other things so not just like not just some punk they threw in suburbia
0: no plus yeah. he goes left real fast dude
3: <laughs> yeah you know
0: um dan what is your closing thoughts on this episode anything that stands out to you anything you want to drive home
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I love that we can talk this new stuff, um, and then put it in the same lane of talking about absolute classic, you know, inside out versus, versus burn or like who would sing on the descendants Milo goes to college. Uh, Becky goes to university is what it'll be called now. Um. I love that we can talk about these exciting new records that we're really psyched on or most of us are really psyched on. And some of us are, you know, searching for the light in the rain. Like if it's not quite their thing, at least Ben is, is looking for the things that he likes about it. That's what makes this doing this podcast. So rewarding for me is, I get to talk old stuff that I revere and love, but then also it keeps me searching for the new stuff and appreciating it and sitting down and, and not just, you know, listening to it once and moving on to something else. It's like, now let me spend some time with this record. And when you do that with anything, you're going to find all the great stuff in there. And I really appreciate doing this because, you know, Yes, I would probably – that end, it would come across my radar and I would I would dig it, but maybe The Speed wouldn't, and it's been awesome to listen to that over the last couple of weeks over and over again. And then, of course, The Wise Up I really like. Um, and then I would never have probably heard of Chain of Dogs without doing this, and I fucking loved that. So those are my – closing thoughts is that i really enjoyed doing this episode i really enjoyed talking this and then of course the the heavyweight matchup around the world i can't wait to hear what the listeners say about inside out versus burn and i also can't wait to hear who the listeners would put in the descendants to sing because i love hearing the feedback from from the crew who listens so um even if they're telling me I'm full of shit or whatever, I still enjoy all the feedback. So listeners, when we put these things up throughout the week, chime in, please let your voice be heard. Hardcore rules.
0: Yeah. I'll try to get all that stuff posted for this week. Um, had a rough couple of weeks. Don't want to super get into it, but you know, like haven't posted as much just cause life happens. Right. Um but yeah, I can't wait to hear what people think about Burn versus Inside Out and then also who they would replace Milo with. I am stoked to talk about Chain of Dogs on here, and I hope that people dig that. Also, I love End It. I can't believe it's finally here. People get to hear all those new songs. You know, that was a long time ago now that Chris like hipped me into that demo. You know what I mean? And I've loved that thing since. And man, this might be like the most anticipated thing that there's been for me in a while. So it totally delivered. And I just, I can't wait to have them together on a piece of vinyl and listen to, to both those EPs. Uh, Chris, any final thoughts of this episode?
3: Uh, just thanks for having me on again. I always love talking with you guys, talking hardcore cause hardcore rules and just talking about stuff that we think is cool. And, uh, hopefully other people will check it out as well. Hell yeah. Ben final thoughts.
2: um, I love doing this podcast. I know I'm like, Mr. Sometimes I'm maybe, I don't want to come off like a troll or a naysayer or Mr. Hot takes or anything. Obviously I have my own preferences when it comes to hardcore. So I'm just trying to add value by giving you all the Easter eggs on all these records. If there's a sample, I'm on Google. If there's a, a foreign language word, I'm on Google translate and I love doing it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, um, we love you, Zach. We're so glad that, you know, You got over this rough patch in your life recently, and um, uh, here's
0: to many, many more episodes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Dan, where can the people find you?
1: Uh, The people can find me on Instagram, at Southport Instagrammer. And since we're at the very end of the episode, I do want to say to the listeners – this episode is ending right now. Then go to 185 milesouthcom and click the playlist. Cause I know when we say it in the middle of an episode, you still keep listening to the episode and you never do it. Do it.
0: Yeah. Chris, where can the people find you?
3: Chris Williams, 51 on Twitter and Instagram.
0: Ben, where can the people find you?
3: Instagram at cold,
0: all right, everyone, you can find me. Best way to get in touch is 185 miles south at gmail.com. I respond to everyone. It may it may take a couple days, but I will get back to you. You can also hit me up on Instagram or Twitter, 185 miles south. The DMs are a little stranger. I cannot guarantee that I will get back to you there, but I will try my best. Also, you know on Instagram, Ritali is the best, and you hit me up, Zach Oxnard. That is me as well. I think, no. Zach Retaliate. Anyway, don't get at me that way. 185 south at gmail.com. Handle business, and we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.